Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to go. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. I'm Leanne Dolan. Thanks for being here today. I'm in Pasadena, California, and my sister Julie Dolan is in Dallas, Texas. Good morning, Julie. Good morning, Leanne. I'm so psyched. I'm sitting here looking at my Powerball tickets for Wednesday. And when I win, it's yeah. going to be $868 million lump sum. What do you think? Yeah. Have you worked it out? Like, what are you going to do with the people in the family that are going to come to you with money? Have you thought that through? Yes, actually I have. And I find it very enjoyable to think about like, you know, how much money I'm going to give you, Liz, Sheila, Monica, the whole crew, you know? Is there a sliding scale at any point? Well, I wondered about that. I thought, should I give it out even Steven to all my siblings? Or should I give it out in terms of like, who has the greatest need? I don't know, Leanne. I'm going back and forth on that. But I think it all works worked out by Wednesday night. Don't okay. Worry. I think, you, yeah, you should talk to a financial advisor. So I've been, because I've been pondering the same questions. Is it everyone over 18 that gets money? Is it, what about cousins? What about cousins of cousins? Oh yeah. 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 How far does it go? Could really, uh, could really get expensive, could really eat into your billion dollars winning. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get my tickets today. I have a secret place where there's never any line. Um, so they- So that's where I'm going. But we do have a full show today. Uh, We have a regular Tuesday Satellite Sisters podcast happening. Now, Julie, one of the things you and Liz talked about on Sunday was just how many TV shows we had to watch to recap this week. Because all of a sudden, we have two ongoing recaps that are clashing. It's clash of the TV shows. And we are committed to both the recaps. So if you are listening to this Tuesday podcast, at the end of this podcast, you will hear the Downton Abbey recap. But... Don't be scared if you're a Madam Secretary fan, because we are also recording a standalone Madam Secretary recap. You will just have to download both podcasts, but you're going to get it all and you're going to get it all today. That's our plan. So this show has the Downton Abbey recap attached to it. And then the Madam Secretary recap will be a separate show. And that's, that's how, being, you know, the Satellite Sisters, we're nimble, we're quick, we're just <laughs> adapting to the changing environment. They, they should uh, write a book about us, don't you think? <laughs> they should. You know what they should call it? You're the best. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, unbelievably, both Julie and I are going through similar processes at home. We are both moving. Julie is moving herself, and I am moving my older son out. We're going to talk about that. You saw the movie Carol. I'm very yes. curious to hear your impressions of that. Uh-huh. Uh, also, uh, stories about women's friendships when they're in disrepair, how you can repair them. Julie, there are a couple apps that are out there. I don't understand why on earth you would ever use them. We're going to talk about that. <laughs> only, only a couple, Lynn. Okay. But yeah. I, I want yeah. to hear what your, your top few are. Sports Roundup. Got a little sports in the news today. And, of course, the sad, sad passing of David Bowie we're going to talk yeah. about. Yeah. Uh, but, so, Jewel, you are moving. What's I know. I detail? know. This is t- nearly two years, Lynn, uh, since I, uh, my husband and I sold our house. We were looking to downsize, right size, whatever you call it. We wanted a smaller, 
easier lifestyle footprint. And I, th- I didn't, you know, when we sold our house, I didn't think it was going to be that hard. I had no idea. But right. we have been on a quest for two years um, uh, to find sort of an empty nester place. And uh, here's, here's what you need to know, Lee. We've looked at everything. We looked at apartments. We looked at townhouses. We looked at single-story houses. We even, we even went to retirement or, like, senior living. Uh, oh, you did? Oh, yeah, Lee, and we did everything. Oh, you know, I didn't know I, that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I mean, the, you know, they say it's for, you know, the uh, active, you know, f- uh, 50 year olds. Uh, I didn't see any active 50 year olds there. I did not. I did not. But I did see some attractive floor plans, you know, yeah. uh, that that's the nice thing about it. But I think because uh, because we lost our parents, we took care of our parents uh, as they were aging, and then when we lost them, I you know I do think about the third third of my life. I'm yeah. the oldest uh, satellite sister, and I'm thinking about my life in the future and how we want to do it and what's the best way to do it. And you know you don't want to be a burden to your kids. You want to live independently. You you know you don't want to outlive your money. You know all of those things. You you know I think you think about and you think about. You know, or, you know, just even energy efficiency or, you know, do you really, you know, just how to live a simpler uh, life. So, uh, so some deep thoughts uh, along the way, Leanne, but I'm happy to say that, you know, we have found a small single story house near the grandchildren because that's key to Nana. That's key to me. But um, key to them. Yes. <laughs> key yes, to their whole I am a linchpin to a lot of their operation. I can just, I say that in the most humble terms, but uh, without Nana, there, there'd be some more difficulties. Um, I, we also wanted to be in a walkable neighborhood. You know, we wanted to be able to right. walk to services because uh, jokingly, but, you know, sooner or later, my son's going to take away my car keys. I know that. I think in your case, it might be sooner. I knew you were going to make a crack about my driving. I knew it. I knew it. My sisters might take away my car keys. So we wanted or to the be- law. I mean, the law might step in. <laughs> So we wanted to be in a walkable neighborhood. So all of these ingredients, you know, were hard to put together. But uh, so we haven't, we didn't achieve, you know, like perfection, but we got, we got pretty closely. And and I'm happy to say over the next uh, week, week or so, we are moving into our new digs and I'm very excited. And uh, uh, I'm really looking forward to this. I think this is going to be, you know, a great new you know, adventure, but at the same time, you know, in a very familiar place. So sounds fantastic. Well, yeah. I, you know, just to playing the role of mom, I know you told me your decorating scheme is blue and white. So now I, I have been resisting sending you all the blue and white decorating uh, spreads I see in magazines. Blue and white is in this year, Jules. So you, you're in, you got okay. it. Okay. You're in but I, one fantastic more thing. shape. I know you're. Uh, if you are in real estate development, you uh, this there is there are a lot of baby boomers that are going to be going through the same quest that my husband and I went through to find like a, a, you know a smaller footprint. And those three story townhouses that you're building for you know for baby boomers, those aren't going to work because there's yeah. too many stairs. I don't get that, you know. But that's that's what you see a lot of. So well, uh, they're trying to jam as many units as they can onto the square footage they have. Right. Speaking as someone who's married to someone in real estate, I he doesn't know. build those. He appraises them. But uh, okay. and all those staircases eat up your square footage. 
Yeah. All you right. know, so. they seem a lot smaller than they are on print because of all those staircases. I'm with you. Single story. I- Single story. <laughs> so there's a trend. Okay. I know nothing about real estate. I've proven that over the years. Yes. But there have. is a gap. For, you know, that you, you know, that for, for baby boomers that are going to be retiring, downsizing, they don't want three stories. Okay. And they don't want to live in the active community. That's, you know, the senior community. <laughs> Darn it, that's, I was looking forward to a, a checking out those active communities. That's <laughs> like... Yeah, There's I'd like not it. that much activity. Out there. <laughs> That's what I figured out. Like. Right. Okay. Well, we are doing the same thing at our house because we are moving our older son out. For those of you who have been following along my two and a half year quest, uh, my older son took, he's 20, uh, be 21 in June. He took a gap year and then he ended up going to a school near us, college near us that um, does not have dorms. And so long story short, he's been living with us for two and a half sort of extra years. I think of it. It's been two and a half years since he's graduated from high school and uh he has but been how long does it feel Leanne? <laughs> <laughs> you know in, in real I... years you know how they have dog years yeah. and everything for in uh teenage boy years how many years does it feel like <laughs> i am telling you i feel like i have done a pretty darn good job like we have reached some sort of equilibrium in terms of allowing him to come and go as he pleases to, you know, to not ask too many questions, to live a life of a college student, even though he's living at home. And at the same time, like this weekend, I thought I was going to kill him. And I, this is this what happens in the wild when you're young or ready to move out? Does the mother bear finally go, you are driving me nuts. You yes, just got it's... to get out of this den. I mean, I thought this we there are all sorts of new regulations in place for mortgages. So our closing, we bought a condo. Our closing has taken like 12 days longer than we thought it was going to take. And it's about 12 days too many. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. So you're going to petition Congress because there are all kinds of families that are going to be exploding because of this additional uh, time required by the new mortgages. Yeah. I mean, after two and a half years, you wouldn't think 12 days would matter. But I am telling you this weekend, I was like, my God, I have a few more hours left. So, so if all goes well, he moves in tomorrow. But um, oh, that's exciting! Lee. Yeah, that's, it is uh, exciting. It's exciting for him. It's a new phase for me. But I am telling you, I I know all my friends have experienced this as their kids have gone to college. Like those last two weeks before they go to college are terrible. Uh-huh. Or all my friends were so happy to have them home at Christmas break. Or like, when are they going back to college? Because now they're losing their minds, and that's it. They just they don't think about a lot of other people besides themselves. The twenty year old, do they? <laughs> no, no. It is their period of independence. And yeah, and they're really focused a lot on themselves. Really yes. focused on themselves. Yes. So we're going to get him out of there. My husband has used it as an opportunity to do what he loves best, which is just move all the same pieces of furniture around in our house over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to kill him this on weekend. His next too. business trip in Dallas, he could just swing by. My new oh, place. he'll I be there. Next I'll week, be- he's coming by. He'll be there the first week you're in the house. Okay, okay. Do you need good. any books? Furniture, furniture moving. For, <laughs> uh, we're going to save some for your husband. He loves it. Oh, he's, he was driving me crazy, too. I just, oh, my gosh, because he's doing a ton of, of business trips over the next six weeks. He's like, we just have to get everything done, like, this hour. So, anyway, uh, I think we'll all be happier when this is all over. It's been kind of a long, stressful 45 days, but we're doing it. We're doing it, and hopefully, as I keep saying to people, 
well, now he won't come back. Like, this is a permanent move. It's not, there's not going to be the return to the nest at any point in the foreseeable future. So there's something about that. Does he have laundry facilities? He does. Yeah. So he won't be bringing his laundry either. Okay, good, Liam. No, no. In fact, I thought actually I might suggest he just not come home for the first month, even though he's living like a mile away. Is that hard? You're going to miss him, William. I will. You know, we have a nice relationship. That's what I I mean. Like, we have, surprisingly, because he's in a creative field, he seeks my advice a lot on stuff. I've helped his friends with scripts and things like that. Like, we're okay, except the the nuts and bolts stuff. The, the, you know, the mess and the dishes and the the lights turned on, you know, 24-7. That kind of stuff is now driving me crazy. Well, maybe he'll invite you over to his pad. Okay. Who knows? Well, I said, you know... If you want housewarming gifts, you have to throw a housewarming party. People aren't just going <laughs> to show up with toasters because they like you. He was like, oh, okay. So we're on that. We're on that. Uh, but that's it. So a lot of – we're on the move here at Satellite Sisters, always on the move. But um, what sad news this week about David Bowie. What a surprise. Julie, when you woke up yesterday morning and you heard that David Bowie had died from cancer, what did you think? I Well, I didn't I, – my first thought was – how could he, you know, how could that be? I, I don't think of him as being old enough or, no. you know, I just, you know, I had no idea he had been sick or been battling cancer. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the night before everybody had, the attention had been on the Golden Globes. Right. And then that this, you know, just because of the contribution that he has made as an artist, yeah, I, I don't, you don't even want to talk about the Golden Globes, right. you know, because, because of David Bowie. Now, right. I know that you in particular really, you, you know, he, you were a big fan. Of I was a big fan of David Bowie's. Uh, I uh, was, you know, coming of age in the eighties when he had a couple of big albums and they went to see him several times. Uh, when I first came to college, I went to the, his show in Anaheim, the serious moonlight tour. So it's funny because I'm working on a third novel and there's a storyline in my book, which has to do with the intersection of art and music. I don't want to tell you more than that, but it's sort of rock and roll meets art. And, um, so I was looking at some point a couple months ago, I got to a spot where I needed a rock and roll reference. And I thought about that serious moonlight tour and it was sort of perfect for what I was trying to capture with this, this idea of a complete artist, somebody who thought through every thought through every single piece of, of his or her, you know, artistic expression. And I think that was David Bowie. Not only was he the songwriter, he was an incredible performer. I remember that tour with the lights was just, it was an astonishing stadium show. It was visually beautiful in a way now that we can sort of take for granted with all the Cirque du Soleil shows, but he was one of the first people doing stuff like that. Uh, the costumes were beautiful. Yeah, a tremendous impact on fashion. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he himself was a visual artist and just he seemed like an all around interesting and interested guy. And so when I was looking for a reference point in my novel, I used David Bowie and I used that tour. And so one of the great parts about being a writer is sometimes when you're writing and, oh, you got to stop and do a little research. And it was just fun to relive. I was going through all the images from that tour and other older Bowie images and playlists and tour dates and recalling what that was like but it was the idea that I was looking for a complete artist and you 
there's him, and then there's just a big drop to the next few well, people. Well, maybe Prince. I mean, you Nate, Prince would, would be, be on that list. I thought about uh, the talking heads, you know, when they were in their heyday, they had a very strong artistic vibe, David Byrne, but not, not in any way to compete with David Bowie. And then just extraordinary pictures that came out yesterday from Iman, her last, you know, his beautiful fashion model wife who herself was smart and well-read and did so much good in the world and really called attention to all different kinds of social issues. And uh, she had extraordinary pictures of him just from his 69th birthday on Friday. Did you see those shots? I, I mean, I unbelievable, unbelievable. So very, very sad and only 69. So young, right? Very so young. young. And, you know, and it was, it's amazing how many um, other artists have come out uh, and said what a, a huge influence David Bowie was on on them. You right. know that uh, you know from all different kinds of uh, genres of music and of art and of film. You know that he was you know he really was an inspiration for so many people. A true original. You know, sort of happy to be an original. He made it okay right. to right. be different, uh, and in a way that really inspired a lot of people. And that's that's great. Yeah, you know that is true, Julie. I mean he. He opened your mind. Yeah. And, you know, when you you can't name, you know, there are a lot of enjoyable artists who write great songs or songs that have personal meetings, uh, you know, or songs that really kind of changed your life personally. But I think he opened people's minds at a time when that was sort of an unexpected byproduct of rock and right. roll. So right. uh, fantastic. Yeah. You know, and, and someone asked uh, actually on our Facebook page said, oh, I bet Iman would be a, g- a good interview. And then I was like, well, we did. <laughs> We did interview him on once on Satellite Sisters. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Were you on that yes. show? Do you remember yes, this? Yes, I was. Yes, I so was. So this is back in the day. We were at ABC Studios in Burbank. And um, one of the things about our radio show for ABC was we didn't often have people in the studio. On radio, a lot of times uh, they're on the phone or you're talking to them and they might be in New York. We didn't have studios in New York, so we weren't there. But in L.A., we would get people who were on book tours, and there weren't many shows that talked to uh, authors. So we were kind of, after they did morning TV and they would do one or two public radio shows, they'd swing by Satellite Sisters. So we were like the third interview of the day on their schedule, but we were always happy to have them. It was fantastic people like Alan Alda or Frank McCourt. You know, we had extraordinary guests, Roz Chast, in the studio. And so Iman was supposed to come in. She had a new book out and we like weeks of what are we going to wear when a mom comes in <laughs> as if as if anything we had in our closet I know, I was know. worthy in any way that you would be really we're, we're just different species yeah supermodel right? yes, yes, yes yes and so we were so excited we spent the entire show like okay well we're doing other stuff but Amon's coming in Amon's coming in and we must have mentioned her name a hundred times on the show and it kept getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back and eventually she pretty much just called from the back of the limo for five minutes I know <laughs> it I was know. but we, we love you, Amon. We didn't take we it. It's we not do. your fault. We were like third or fourth on your list. There's traffic in Los Angeles. And you were obviously headed someplace else. And that's fine with us, Amon. So, uh, but that we was... We still the, admire her. And yeah, yes. Yeah. That was the story of the Amon interview. Someone, How have you interviewed her? <laughs> we have, actually. It was Yes, we have. We have. But uh, very sad news. Very sad news. But it is extraordinary when something like that happens, how you get all those crowd recollections. You know, mm-hmm. I do think that's a 
that's an interesting part of social media, reading yes. people, you know, the song that meant the most to them or the concert they saw or, you know, how David Bowie changed their life. I do enjoy that aspect of social media when something right. like this happens, particularly with someone like David Bowie, because you can't argue, you know, he's just, he right. was clearly a, just a stand-up guy and an all-around uh, artist and people admired him. So... Okay, we will miss him. We will miss rest, him. Rest in peace. Yes, yes. Um, on the sports front, Julie, did you and your husband watch the title game last night versus uh, Alabama versus Clemson? I, I, I watched the first half, Liam. You know, because I'm on. The, I'm a Clemson fan. I, I don't know. Oh, late I didn't in the know that. Season. Oh yeah, late in the season, I totally, totally got on board with the Tigers. <laughs> I just was okay. like, I love this team. It's got kind of a Cinderella story to yeah. it. I, you know, they I think their defense has been playing just awesome all season. <laughs> So I was super psyched at the end of the first half. Yeah. Uh, then I fell asleep. Yeah. So, oh, okay. Well, these was... games are on too late for the East Coast and Central United States. Okay. Make I don't a know note. how you do it. I honestly, I, nine o'clock last night here. It's the game is still going on. It's a fantastic game. I was, right. you know, one of the few games I watched the whole game this season. I was like, people, it's midnight on a Monday night in New York. Yeah, I don't see, understand the TV late. schedule. Yeah. This is too late. Yeah. We, you know, we have to make changes. <laughs> okay. Well, well, the other <laughs> thing, I would also argue I did not enjoy the bowl games on New Year's Eve. Right. Uh, that was a miss on the West Coast because those started at 1 in the afternoon. Like, people were at work. It was a beautiful day. No one wanted to sit and watch TV, like, uh, Thursday at 1 in the afternoon. So no one watched those games. And then there's, like, this 12-day wait, a 10-day wait. Too long. Right. Figure it out. <laughs> like, you lose the momentum. You almost forget, oh, it's the national title game. Right. Right. But that was quite a game, I have to say. Uh, great athlete. highlights this morning. Yeah. Yes. It looked like that fourth quarter really It was, was very amazing. exciting. It was very exciting and uh, very athletic. And both the teams had incredible athletes on the team. And I just thought they both played with a lot of heart. I don't usually yeah. say that. In fact, I had watched the Bengals-Steelers game. Two uh -huh. nights before, again, what am I doing? I don't watch a lot of football. <laughs> I mean, I enjoy football, but we just don't watch a lot here because maybe you've heard we have no team in L.A. There's no dog in the in the fight. And uh, that was like the worst that football has to offer. Yes, it was, yes, like, it was. Oh, yes, my I gosh. think that was an all-time low. Oh, um, my gosh. I just – and Barrick was asleep on the couch. I was like, you've got to wake up and see this terror, this unbelievable game. <laughs> but uh, the college game last night redeemed them. But yes, here's what I would say about this. Now that everyone's hailing – Nick Saban, maybe this is the greatest coach of all time with the, you know, the fake punt. And let's remember, it was the soccer player that executed the fake punt. Um, here's this. It strikes me now, these kids need to get paid. I, 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 I feel like everybody on the planet seems to be making money and benefiting from the work of these athletes, except the athletes. Right. Okay. I, I just, and I think it's going to take a coach like Nick Saban to say, all right, let's take a look at this policy again. Because if you've really studied this issue, it's not this equal exchange of you get your college education and we get, you know, we give you an opportunity to play football. Like these schools are making millions of dollars. These kids are asked to shoulder crazy financial burdens because they have to be there year round and they have all kinds of Ter weird restraints like they can't work on campus they can't work off campus they're expected to be there they're not provided food or housing during summer training you don't have to pay them a lot but 
got to give them something. I just, I, I just think there has to be a better solution. There's, they're going to sell a million jerseys after this game. You see the promos. They're using these images and all the promos. I just feel like the, it's going to take a coach like Nick Saban to step up and say something so that the NCAA can take a look at that policy again. Good, good point, Leanne. Thank I, you, you know, I've been saying this for 20, year, 20 years, maybe 30 <laughs> years, since I was, a, uh, I was a grad student in, at Penn State. And you see firsthand, and I used to tutor some of the football students, and you'd see, you know, see how hard they had to work the hours they had to keep, the level of professionalism that they had to bring to it. And that was that was a whole, you know, generation ago. So it's even more intense now. I agree. I think it's time, you know, I and please include the cheerleaders as well. Right. I mean, and it's, yeah, I mean. The band. How about the band? (laughs) Well, I know that that's the argument that, well, then where do we stop? Do we pay everybody? Well, that's not a good enough argument anymore. Just figure, and it's not even really pay. It's like stipends. It's like give them something. I mean, you give, you pay in a university, they offer research and teaching assistantships, stipends uh, to various students. They should do the same in the sports area. But but if you're, yeah. Yeah, if you're rev- if you're generating revenue for the school, there's got to be some quid pro quo and yeah. some way to figure it out. And I think it's going to take a big time coach who makes what? What does Nick Dave- Saban make? I have no idea, but it's millions. I don't right? think he's buying a, um, a Powerball ticket because I think he that's what he makes a year, somewhere about eight hundred. Right. Okay. So. Uh, so. Let's let's make it right with those. Those were tremendous athletes on yes, both yes, sides they, of the field. They were really tremendous really, athletes. I would agree with that. Yeah, it was it a was, good game. It was. was fun was... to watch that game. Uh, fun to watch that game. All right. Uh, also, big congratulations to Carly Lloyd, a U.S. women's soccer player who won the FIFA Women's Player of the Year Award. Oh, and that's, that's exciting. Stuff. Yes. Good for her. She's 32 years old. So she has been plugging away. And she has been shoring up the team, and she has been a solid gold satellite sister out there on the pitch for years. At 32, she finally wins the FIFA Women's Player of the Year. So way to go, Carly Lloyd. Excellent for you. And then this is exciting news for the satellite sisterhood. Uh, Satellite sister Kathy in Minnesota has the inside track on the National Figure Skating Championships this weekend. So uh, she has contacted me. Now you're talking, Leah. See, I told you it was a sports block. She has contacted me, and we are going to get some behind-the-scenes from the National Figure Skating uh, this weekend. Some some messages from Kathy I expect will be coming in. So she uh, she has some inside scoop on various skaters. She's got her eye on other skaters. She's going to let us know what's happening at the National Figure Skating Championships. Championships. So that's exciting. Those are that is very exciting. You forget it's that time of year again for that, and and then the dog show's coming up. I hope so. I hope yeah. we can get the inside scoop at the dog show. Well, too. the other thing you forget is 2016 is an Olympic year. Yes. You know? So Rio 2016, we just started to get excited about that last night. Yes. yes. <laughs> I saw a report. I thought this isn't even news. It was a news headline today about Rio, how they are dangerously behind yeah. all in terms of all aspects of the Olympic planning, the venues. And now Brazil, of course, is having uh, because the price of oil is so low, they're having a financial crisis so um, it's more doom and gloom from the host city. Uh, that's but <laughs> yeah. Isn't that always the case? It's I'm always just, the case when they pick always... when they pick places that basically aren't the United States or the UK. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it appears to be a pattern. It's not the United States or the UK. Uh, 
What do well, we got? Well, Leon, even though I was on the move, that I'm on the move this week, um, I, I got together with some of the women that are in my book club because uh, we've sort of taken it, like, from time to time, we like to sneak out and go see a movie during the, uh, during the day. During and that's the fine. Week. That's fine. You know, it's, it's such a guilty pleasure to, to like... Because it's not usually when anyone goes to the movies, but we try to make it happen. And so there was some back and forth. And we uh, we really wanted to see the movie Carol. Um, you know, this is the movie with Rooney Mara and Kate Blanchett in yeah. it. Um, uh, and so we went to the 10.15 a.m. showing. Wow. Did you even know that they have play movies at 10.15? I, I know that they, they, it's usually kids' movies with the babysitter provided. So right. uh... 10.15. And you would... <laughs> You can't believe how how packed this theater was at ten fifteen in the morning. A lot of I don't know whether it was because of the movie or just that this is something that a lot of people do. You know, the mall walkers yeah. touch their walk and boom, then go to the movies. It's yeah. probably I, a special price, right? Is it a yes. low, low oh, price? You got a good, oh, you got a very good price. Yeah, at 10, especially with your senior discount, <laughs> Leon. Okay, Leon. Okay. okay. Okay, that's a bridge too far, Leon. It's a little bridge too far. Okay. Okay. Oh, you just have just crushed me with one comment. Okay. Right. How was Carol? How was it? Okay. This movie, uh, the Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara are so magnificent in this movie. They oh. are such great actresses. And they look so incredible in this movie. It's mesmerizing, okay? The movie is the story of their relationship. And it's a slow boil, Leanne. Okay, nothing. This is is a kind of movie, like, you just have to give yourself time. You know, know, it's not an action movie. Things are not going to be happening quickly. Uh, Do not look at your clock. Do not be pressed, as I was, to get back to the, you know, to my move or anything like that. This, you need to, you know, go on a, you know, when you have extra time, it's a rainy or a snowy day. But this movie is a slow boil and it's mesmerizing. And these these women are magnificent actresses. And, you know, you are drawn into their story and sort of this, how this subtle relationship develops and how, and it builds over time. I will say the um, the director of this movie, Todd Haynes. Oh, it's a Todd Haynes movie. I didn't it's a Todd that. Haynes movie who, again, credits David Bowie as mm-hmm. his great inspiration, mm-hmm. you know, and that he likes to, you know, he's focused on a lesbian relationship in the 1950s. So, you know, he likes to work on topics where, you know, these are, this is, this was, you know, very taboo. That, right. Then and that you know the expectations of society were so so different, and yet these two women are drawn together, and you're drawn to their relationship. If anything, if my only criticism is, I understand Todd's problem, which is it's so mesmerizing to look at Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara that it's almost too slow in parts. You know, okay. you're just like, oh my gosh, move on, <laughs> move on, okay. How many more cigarettes can you smoke, please? But it's gorgeous. Okay. The other thing that's amazing about this, uh, the clothing, you could go just to see the outfits Kate Blanchett is wearing. She's supposed to be a very well-to-do woman from New Jersey. And the coats and the hats, the 
pins, the the little cashmere sweaters, the pocketbooks. I mean, that alone, the art direction in this movie is incredible. One note of like something that I'm just going to give you an alert, Leanne, that it's going to be it's going to be tough for you. Kyle Chandler is in this movie. Oh, he plays the husband. Uh huh. Kate Planchett. Coach. How, how could you leave? Kyle Chandler for anybody. I know. Well, this is this is the problem, Leon. You know this. Of course, we know Kyle Chandler from Friday Night Lights. He was he's the world's greatest husband yes. uh, in the, in that show. Okay, and so um, that that is that's a little casting problem yeah. that uh, that I had with it. Even though he's he's very you know he is, he does an excellent job acting. He still he'll always be coach in my mind. Like right. coach, what are you doing? Put that blue windbreaker on and get back to the field. Kate, you're married to coach. You got a big house in New Jersey. What could be better? Well, apparently Rooney Mara could be better. So So it's just, it is, it's an amazing, touching movie. I, I really, I really liked it. You know, although it is. You know, I just, it is, it's long. So just, just keep that in mind. Just keep that in mind. But just good thing you went to the 1015 show. I know. I know. Good thing. I know. But uh, give yourself time. If Mm -hmm. you see that movie, you know, don't, don't rush it or don't, you know, don't think that you're going to have, you know, or don't plan for a lot of things afterwards. You know, that's, that's what I think about that movie. But the clothing, the clothing is amazing. The outfits are amazing. Well, that's a good tip for Oscar voters. I'm sure it's been, was it nominated for, oh, the Oscar nominations come out this week. So uh, there you go. If it's nominated for, um, you know, best uh, art direction or clothing, there you go. You can circle that and win your pool. Well, so anyway, so I went with my friends, which was, which is very nice. And we have these, you know, it was great to have these activities to do. Uh, we, of course, did not get time to talk about the movie after, after the movie. Because it, it took so, so long. We all had to dash. But um, I read a very interesting article today in the Wall Street Journal about so- women's socializing styles, Leon. And it is something that I, really struck home with me because I think at times I get this right. But at other times, I know I have gotten this wrong. And that, you know, one of the underlining premises of this article was that female conflicts arise because of different socializing styles. That when you have, when things go like off with one of your friends Mm -hmm. or, or a real conflict develops, then in many cases, it may be that you didn't recognize what your friend needs in a relationship or they, she didn't recognize what you need in a relationship. And they talk about two basic socializing styles. One is called the one-on-one, the intimate style. These are focusers. Do you have friends like that? Yes. That they don't want to be like in a big party or a crowd. They just want to go alone with you to talk or to walk and talk. They're focusers. And that's the kind of relationship they have, you know, they want to have. That's what, that's the one that works the best. The other type of, of socializing style would be the more the merrier. The diffusers. Oh, yeah. You know, that they want to include more people, that they feel very comfortable in a bigger group of people, you know, and one is not better than the other. And obviously, at times, you want one more than the other. But, you know, it's in relationships, if you have a friend who is a focuser and and you keep inviting her to like to coffee with a bunch of other people or over to your house with a bunch of people 
that's that you're miss you know that's a that's a, a unsatisfying relationship for them you know you have to and i feel like at times this has happened to me where i sometimes i do like the more the merrier i want to include people i don't want to leave anyone out and i feel at times when i do that i'm not providing enough attention to my friends who may be more focusers in terms of things Okay. Have you ever thought about that? No. no. I mean, no. I definitely have friends now. That I've never thought about it consciously, but now that you say that, I definitely have friends that are just better one-on-one. There's no, yeah. or just prefer it one-on-one. Like, and it's always surprising to me when I see them in a group that they're clearly out of their element. You're like, yeah. oh, this is just not their thing. You're so right. I definitely have that. And I, yeah, I, yeah. But I didn't think, I mean, that sounds exhausting to try to monitor all <laughs> All your friendships like that. Well, but if you're missing stuff with your friends, yeah. no, but you have to, it's, I think it's thoughtful. I think it's yes. thought provoking. It's not exhausting. Okay. You can do this. You can just think as you're like, when you're the next time you're going to get together with a friend, you know, to just take a moment to say, what would, you know, you know, what, what would, would you she, prefer? What would, what would you prefer? she prefer? Yeah. You know, and, and in turn, you know, she should be thinking about what you would prefer. I mean, do you, do you see yourself more as a focuser or a diffuser, Leon? Or do you know? I because I think you can be. There can be gray areas. I, I think I'm both. I don't. I I I don't mind either setting. Yeah, I yeah. don't mind either setting. Yeah, I I I, I, I I I find that I like to be in groups and not be the center of attention. And like I enjoy going out and just because I do a lot of talking for my professional life. Right. Sometimes when I go out with a big group, I'm just so relieved to have someone else talk. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make sense? I like yes, to listen. I like to have other people take the stage and listen. Yeah. I, yes. you know, with my friends, I'm really always happy to sort of just be there, and and uh, and that's that's fine. And then, yeah. but I tend, but I don't talk to people all day, so you know, <laughs> you know what I mean. I work alone, so right. I'm right. always I'm happy to get out either one on one or 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 do anything. I'm yeah. I'm just happy to be that's, included. <laughs> that's right. I have any friends. I agree with that land, but it's just, I had never heard the term no. focusers versus yeah. diffusers. And I had never really thought about that. And I feel like it's sometimes, sometimes I get that right in terms of, you know, what's the best setting Yeah. and other times there's room for improvement. It's just something to think about land. And Thank I you, thought Julie. it was interesting. And, and I thought in particular, it, it impacts female relationships. And so there, there you have it. Cause men just don't care. That... Men, men don't have friends. <laughs> okay. They, they're not using their friends. And we need these friends. Because also indicated in the article, the last point, is that scientists believe these attachments you make, these friends that you have, that is an evolutionary process that developed in order to survive. And that we as a human race would have perished without our ability to attach and make friends with other people. Oh. And I think and I think about that right now. All I right. mean, we all need to attach and help each other probably yes. now yes. more than ever in order to survive. So yes. just keep that in mind. All right. That's all. Good. All right. Uh, our article in the paper today about, um, you know, what's happening in the tech world and new apps that are showing up here. And, uh, and you know, is there still venture capital money to develop this new technology, which that's something, talk about something I don't care about. It would be venture <laughs> capital money. But <laughs> so they were listing a couple of apps new to Los Angeles. All right. Here's one. This sounds just pathetic to me. This is like, what? what who needs this? Okay. It's called Hooch. Okay. It's a subscription cocktail service. Uh-huh. Okay. Hooch 
expects you to pay $9.99 a month to get one free drink each day at any of several bars in Los Angeles. Like, what? Do you need a subscription service for a cocktail? I don't That seems like so many extra steps. Can you just go into a bar and get a cocktail? And do you need a cocktail every day? (laughs) Those those are solid questions, Leah. Okay. I'm just under, so you're like driving down the freeway and then you just uh, use your cell phone, which you're not supposed to do while you're driving. Yeah. Uh, You tap on this app and you pick out your, uh, I I don't know. A bar that is part of Slow gin fizz, right? That's, you want your slow. Yeah, <laughs> your slow gin fizz, and uh, and then it will just pop up where where bars can do this. Yes, right? yeah, which bars subscribe to the you know pay into this service or whatever, and you can go get your free cocktail. So I guess if you really did want a craft cocktail every night of the week, paying nine ninety nine a month is a bargain. But right. I don't know. It just seems like a lot of extra work. Couldn't you just? <laughs> Okay. In the All right. Here's another service I don't understand. And I know it's because I enjoy two things, going to the grocery store and cooking. But yes. I don't understand these meal companies like Blue Apron and Plated. And there's oh, a, I think those sound fantastic. But why you do? You, yeah. Why don't you understand? Well, and here's one called Gobble, which is a new one that just <laughs> launched here in Los Angeles. So you get a kit of ingredients to prepare a meal in about 10 minutes using just a single pan. Okay. And sometimes the meals take up to 30 minutes to cook and reviewers find them tasty, but it's generally, guess what? A lot more expensive than a supermarket bill. I don't, I, I think part of cooking, the fun of it is like going to the grocery store, looking at what you're going to cook and then coming home. It just seems very expensive way to eat is to have someone deliver food in a box and you cook it. Yeah. I think there's a lot of waste in terms of the box and the packaging. Yeah. But and, and the again, energy to get there. If you're single, or if you're empty nesters, or you know, uh, you you cook for a family land. You cook for teenage boys yeah. that consume large amounts of food. Yeah. But you will get to a point in your life where you know it's it's just you and your husband, okay? And so to buy like a whole head of cauliflower, then you're then you're like into cauliflower for a week, land. That's all you're going to be eating. I think these. These provide interest. You get to eat different types of vegetables in small. The the portion control is good and the quantity is good, Leanne. That's what I think is good. I don't get it. I just, I think there's a value in going to the grocery store and buying your own food. I mean, I cooked for myself as a single girl a long time ago. And no, I I sort of understand it. It's just very expensive. Yes. (laughs) It's a very expensive way to like eat and cook. I'm not sure you learn a lot about cooking if that's your goal. If someone hands you a box of ingredients and you don't prepare any prep anything. I don't get it. I, I don't <laughs> I don't get it. All right. I think we'll revisit this, Liam, when okay. your lifestyle changes. I don't okay? it's I never gonna just... change to the point where I like can't figure well, out what to do with the head of cauliflower. It's not it's not gonna change to that point. Liam, my point wasn't that. It's just <laughs> that you have to eat cauliflower for the week. Because you're not going to eat a whole head, I don't think. We but... love it. We love it. We Okay, okay, right. go ahead. Eat cauliflower all week, Leanne. Like, knock okay. yourself out. I think okay. it's being difficult. Okay. All right. This one is, uh, this is just a terrifying thought, okay? Uh, the one secret to our success, people often ask, how is it possible that you satellite sisters, you work together and you don't want to kill each other? And we have always maintained that we can do this because we never share hotel rooms. And there is now an app 
uh, called the Winston Club, based in Seattle, where you get to share fancy hotel rooms on the cheap because it pairs you with someone looking for similar accommodations. <laughs> Meaning you're sharing your hotel room with a total freaking stranger. Okay, I'd rather stay with Sheila than a stranger. <laughs> Oh my gosh. All right. Well, another I mean, one. I know I, this is all part of this. It's the obvious next step in the shared economy that, uh, that you would just want to share a hotel room, uh, with a stranger Yeah, but, I, who could murderize you in the middle of the okay. night. I mean, you're at, at minimum. At right. <laughs> I mean, what the, okay. okay. We're going to follow up on that one, Leanne, because I, I Oh, just... it'll be on the front page of the paper next week when someone gets murderized in a hotel room, in a very good hotel you, that they could not have afforded to stay in on their own. But look, you can stay with an axe murderer and it's cheaper. <laughs> okay. You know, I'm not a fan of the shared economy. I, I just want my own economy. Yeah. You want your own economy, <laughs> your own cauliflower. Fine, Leanne. <laughs> Okay, stay with us. Up next at Satellite Sisters, we are going to do our Downton Abbey recap. If you're saying, wait, what about the Madam Secretary recap? Go to Stitcher, go to Libsyn, go to our website, go to iTunes. You will find that as a separate show this week. So while the two shows are crossing over, we're going to be attaching Downton Abbey to our regular Tuesday show and producing the Madam Secretary recap as a standalone recap show. So you get them both. We're watching TV for you. You know, that's our motto. <laughs> Somebody, ha- there should be an app for us, Lynn. TV watching. Okay. Okay, Julie, get on it. Get your VCs on it, Julie. Get your coders and your VCs on it. All right, so stay with us for the Downton Abbey recap. Madam Secretary will be a separate recap posted. All right, we're the Satellite Sisters. Hang on. We're the Satellite Sisters. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California. I'm here with my sister, Julie Dolan in Dallas, Texas. And Julie, I thought this week's episode of Downton Abbey was very satisfying, mainly because the clothes were off the charts this week, I thought. The 20s have been very, very good to the women of Downton Abbey, don't you think? Uh, Leanne, I'm going to take it up. I'm going to drop the waist. I'm going to put on skinny uh, little necklaces. I want some of those shoes, and I want uh, big gloves, too. All right. This is the final season of Downton Abbey. We are recapping each show. So this is season six, episode two. And Julie, new drinking game. If you're watching Downton Abbey and you want to play a drinking game, I want you to take a shot of brandy or restorative broth every time someone utters the word change, okay? Because if if you were playing this week, you would have been three sheets to the wind by the time that crazy pig farmer wife kidnapped little Marigold. (laughs) They said change six times in this episode. Six times the word change was used. Okay, we get it. We get it down. We're following along. We're we're awake. (laughs) Although Lady Cora is not... We are wide awake watching Downton Abbey. Holy cow, Lady Cora. All right, we're going to get to her. Here's the theme for the the show. This is how I saw it. Boss ladies, secret babies, ungrateful servants, and bridezilla. (laughs) I know, Liam. Never saw that coming. No. Totally did not see that coming. 
All right, let's break these down uh, one one theme at a time. All right, let's go first with uh, the boss ladies. Okay, in this episode, Julie, we have um, we have Mary showing pigs and Edith hired a pig. Is that essentially what's happened? In <laughs> yes, I think that's correct, Leah. I think that's correct. Okay. Come on, right. we can just back up. I do. I have to say the opening scenes where there was just that flurry of service. I found it so thrilling. There were teapots, there were coffee pots, people were ironing newspapers, there was fluffing, there was adjusting. It, it was thrill. It's, it's hard to imagine that kind of um, service, but it's all going to change, as you said. Lynn. Change. Take a okay. shot, Julie. Take a shot. It is. It's all going to change. It's all going to change. All right. So we had the boss ladies. We had Mary showing the pigs and Edith with her pig editor. Now let's break down Edith first. Edith, okay. as we said last week, we're rooting for her to go to London and have a fabulous life, you know, getting to know the Bloomsbury crowd and stuff. She owns a magazine, for goodness sakes. So she could go and she could have a wonderful life. And yet she's stuck on the farm because of baby marigold and the right. secrets there so right right but i then and obviously she doesn't realize that you can't run a, a magazine from the drawing room <laughs> you know that you can't take okay because she has no wi-fi there lynn there's none of that right i know she just has a telephone that she yells into you know she looks impeccable when she's yelling into it she's uh she's hired a very strong uh strong editor and she's having a lot of disagreement about it that's and, right uh, she has plenty of ideas on editorials on interviews on art direction on photographs and he doesn't want to hear any of it basically because she's a woman and he is a you know bloviator man right and, but I mean, at least edith is full of life this season you know yes. she's been like moping and I mean, she's just been dragging herself around for several seasons. So I'm happy to see her so lively and so, you know, and that she, she, you know, she now has a passion for this magazine. She, you know, she, she's trying to stand up for her opinions and, uh, and good for her. Yeah. When she went into London, finally to run her magazine for like an hour uh, right. and Rosalind, she brought her aunt with her, which I like. You should always bring your aunt when you're doing business. And I thought Rosalind was going to go in there and punch the guy out. You know, I thought she was going to give Edith a big push. Like you just fire that guy. You tell him who's boss. But I guess the times they haven't changed that much yet. But I think we can anticipate Rosalind sort of schooling her in the ways of, uh, you know, being an independent female. Don't you think? I think that's true. I think that's true. She, you know, that uh, uh, Aunt Roslyn asked about, well, are you going to keep your flat in London? What did you decide to do about it? And Edith, Edith said she's just going to keep it. And, you know, and Aunt Roslyn had the, had the, you know, recommendation, you know, don't get too good at being single because, yes. you know, then you're, then you're single, you know, as she knows. They and we Thanks. do need some romance in this episode, in this season, don't we? Lynn? Yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, we have some, um, you know, I mean, Edith is a possibility now that she's, you know, come back from the dead, you know, that she's, she's lively and attractive and she seems to be, she's not in mourning anymore. So I, I think, uh, I think she's ready to go. Maybe, maybe a love interest. Right. And she has that apartment just sitting there totally empty. I know. Then we have Mary, who's asserting her ownership of uh, of the farm, basically taking over as the agent of the farm in Tom's absence. And this episode really, <laughs> really all centered around a couple of pigs, didn't it? I was just surprised, like how many people had to be involved in the pig decision, and how many how many conversations had to be had about 
bringing a couple kids pigs downtown. I just, I, 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 Leanne, so true. But it is curious that uh, Lady Mary is a pig person. Mm. I mean, she, you know, she lives on beautiful Downton Abbey. She rides quite well. But she's not a horse. She's not a horse lady. You know, it's not like she's hanging out in the barn with the horses. She's always been all about the pigs, hasn't she? You and know? she was all business. She was not letting anyone talk her out of the pigs or Mr. Drew's pigs or bringing those pigs downtown. You also could have gotten really drunk if you just took a shot every time they said the word pig because <laughs> there's a lot of discussion about the pigs. And no one can tell Mary anything about anything. And that was clear. In fact, it was so clear because Lord Grantham and several other characters said that this week. Just in case you hadn't noticed, you can't tell Mary anything about anything. And don't you know it, she brought those pigs downtown and she won. Pig Farmer of the Year, Lady Mary. <laughs> I know. She loves her pigs. Well, I, you know, I, I, I hats off to Mary. I mean, well, I don't have a hat as nice as Mary's hat. But if I did, hats off to you, Mary. Because you stood up and you were the boss lady. I mean, when that agent showed up in uh, at Downton Abbey and, you know, was said that he wanted to, you know, to speak to a man. I mean, good for Mary. Yeah. But that's 19. It's still 1925. Right. I have to say, Lee, that exact same thing happened to me this week. Someone called me on the phone and said, can I speak to your husband? Ugh, I and that. I just had to channel Lady Mary. Yeah. No, I, no, I am the agent of Downton Abbey. <laughs> You're going to speak to me and my pigs. It's true. You Her know, management like, style is very cool, calm, and collected. Yes, and it is. this is where it's excellent to be riding that high horse all the time because she just is not going to take any grief. Whereas Edith's management style, she's be the little more of the victim, the abused woman. So they have very different management styles. Uh, you have to say that. But you're right. Lady Mary is just taking no guff. And she's, she's bringing those pigs to town. And she, I like, she had on that like pig outfit at the end. Like, look at me. I'm in my pig outfit. (laughs) Okay. All right. Now, now the two storylines intersected because then we also have secret babies as a theme this week. All right. First we have Anna, her heartbreak, not able to carry a child. She's had three miscarriages and she seeks uh lady mary's advice lady mary just wants to know why she's so down in the mouth and first i just have to observe like no one else in this uh, show seems to have aged but anna like why does anna look so much older and (laughs) lady mary and edith don't it's like the makeup person was like let's just put all the powder on anna i don't (laughs) I, I know. Well, you know, she's had more misery in one I life know. than anyone That's should true. have. And that she has been through so much, you know, and, and now she has the stress of, you know, of trying to have, you know, to have a baby with, 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 with the murderer, with the murderer. Okay. It is. That is, a, you would, you would age too, Liam, if that okay. was, if you, if Mr. Bates was your husband you had to go home with him at night oh yeah so but yes i know mary but again she but she just is taking charge she wants to help anna anna has as has helped her i guess and i love the um the reference to the thingamajig you know did you that i wrote it down that fearful dutch thingamajig yes 
Yes. And if you don't know what we're talking about, we're not going to explain it on right. this Downton Abbey. You're just going to have to <laughs> Google fearful Dutch thingamajig and see what we're talking about. So, so, so Anna has been there for Mary. So I'm glad that Mary had, had the answer. Mary is very modern. She believes, uh, she believes in science and, and the advancement in medicine. And she believes that you just don't sit there and mope like her sister Edith, that you do things, right? <laughs> you, get out, you get out there. You do things. So Anna has some hope now that there's a simple procedure, should she get pregnant again with the murderer's baby, that yes. maybe the doctor can save the baby. Of course, she's not going to tell Mr. Bates because that's worked really well in the past. <laughs> Not telling him things. Yeah, that's yeah, more that's secrets. Been a that's good, good strategy. For that's her. good. Yes. So, um, okay. And then Marigold, secret baby number two this week on the show. Now, as you know, Marigold is Edith's child. She was raised uh, by agreement for the first couple of years by the Drews, the pig farmers down the road, uh, the pig farmer with whom Edith kind of had a little thing there for a while. Uh-huh. So Mrs. Drew, already not her biggest fan, and then Edith dumps her baby there and then goes, <laughs> says, oh, never mind, I want the baby back. And so she goes to get the baby back and and raise uh, Marigold at Downton Abbey, but n- tell everybody like in town as it's Edith's baby. Except Mary. So- Mary's the last, yes, she's the last person to know. The pigs know. The pigs know that that, that Marigold is not uh, Mrs. Drew's baby. Yes. And so uh, in this episode, Edith has to go have her one-hour business meeting in London. And Mary says, well, let's take the, the kids. They're actually going to go on an outing with the children, which was shocking. Just to <laughs> it see- was shocking. <laughs> I mean, I was just thinking they're battling to get baby Marigold back. And then... What, how, how much time does Edith spend? It's that English upper crust uh, mothering style. It's just so great. Just run through the drawing room, get a hug, and then go on. That's it. Okay, we're good for the week. Yeah, they don't even know if they can take Marigold to see the pigs. They have to check with Nanny because, I don't know, she might have another busy schedule. And then Cora, the grandmother, well, as we know, as we determined last week, she's on Dilaudin again this season or something. <laughs> She doesn't even know who that child is, basically. So, but I mean, why don't they speak up? I mean, it's uh, it's obvious they wanted this this um, relationship to develop, the scene to develop. But honestly, why didn't uh, Lady Cora say something like, "Well, let's go into town and have a cup of tea, or go see horses instead of pigs"? I mean. What's up with this? I, well, they just, they're all terrified of Mary this season. She has come into her own. They're terrified of her. They think she's going to turn the secret baby information on Edith as if she could belittle Edith anymore, as, as if she right. could make Edith feel more inferior than she already does. So this, of course, triggers, you know, lovely Farmer Drew's wife uh, into becoming crazy pig lady farmer wife. So one take one look at Marigold and this foster mother is not over the baby that was taken from her. Uh, That seemed to be an extreme position, but uh, you know, it did work with the storyline and you could tell the minute you saw those crazy eyes on Mrs. Drew that, you know, things, (laughs) it was going to get muddy in the pig pen, wasn't it? Yes, it was. (laughs) 
So <laughs> yes, it was. But do, do, I had a great deal of sympathy for Mr. Drew and Mrs. Drew. I mean, they were just they're just trying to raise their pigs. They didn't ask for any of this trouble. And you know, there's Lord Grantham. He marches down to Mr. Drew's house and suggests that he should leave, you know, or move on when when Mr. Drew's family has lived on that farm for a, over a hundred years. They were trying to get on with things. And then, you know, so it was very unfortunate what happened. Well, I think the lesson is don't get involved with rich people. I think that's the lesson. <laughs> I'm, I am writing that down. Stick later. with the pigs. All right. Yeah. Don't don't get involved with the rich guy's daughter, uh, Mr. Drew. It wasn't all that innocent, remember? So, uh so anyway, uh, what happens is they all go, there's some, they should, they, minus the haunting music. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, this is true. It's <laughs> like just, Jaws. The Jaws theme yeah. song was playing. She, she gets you, crazy in like 12 minutes. I mean, that one's, she's a loving, wonderful mother whose children are never there. And uh, she sees Marigold, who is unattended for 12 seconds at the big pig day downtown. And she snatches her and takes her back to the pig farm. Yes. And I really thought something was going to happen there when that scene when you walk in and she's clutching Marigold on the couch and Farmer Drew walks in. I thought she had a big old knife or I don't know. I axe thought, I thought Marigold might be dead. I thought that oh. maybe they could. Oh, yeah, because she was asleep yeah. in her arms, but I just wanted is she asleep or dead? I wasn't sure. Like maybe, maybe so harm. But yeah. fortunately, she did not. Marigold was fine. Uh, um, but that was the end for Mr. and Mrs. Drew. That's right. They're being kicked off their farm. And I think we pretty much know who's going to get moved in there. Don't we? Cause now, <laughs> now we're, we're up to the theme of ungrateful servants. Daisy's yes. father-in-law. Don't you think Daisy's father-in-law is going to waltz right into the pig Drew's pig farm? I, well, I hope so. That would be perfect. Lynn. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a neat little, uh, bow that they could tie right there. That yeah. Would, that would go well. So Daisy is trying to save her father-in-law who's being booted from, you know, the farm that he's been on for decades. She had an altercation at an auction with the new farm owner and she wants to repair the damage she's done. So she seeks Cora's help. Now this storyline takes like 20 conversations to play out because first she has to ask the lady's maid and then the lady's maid has to ask Cora and then finally Daisy can ask Cora. And I honestly, I honestly expected Cora to say, I'm sorry, I can't help. I'm too stoned. I mean... <laughs> I mean, you, you thought that's what the dialogue yeah. was. She was like cross-stitching and she had to stop to talk because, I don't know, that would have been too much multitasking. to like. She was like Marie Antoinette in that room. The draw, Everything in that room was embroidered, Leanne. The curtains, her outfit, the cross-stitching, the rug, the lamps, everything was embroidered. She was like, just, she was fading into the embroidery. That's just, and it was like, Oh, I would love to help you, but I, I can't possibly think of what I could do because of the opium I've just smoked. I mean, <laughs> just... and then she gets the slightest hint of a smile and Daisy's like, oh, I think you can fix it. And, you know, it turns out that I believe that the uh, kidnapping of baby Marigold was just what the doctor ordered and that uh, Daisy's father-in-law. And that's okay. a very sweet relationship she has with her father-in-law. We'll move back in there. Don't you think? Yes. Okay, that's good. I'm I'm all for that, Leanne. And I also see a romance blooming between uh between the father in law and Mrs. Patmore. I I, I that's a possibility. Yeah. I mean they, I think they were doing some dancing uh, together yeah. in the last episode. Yeah. So that's good. And yeah. Mrs. Patmore, you know, she's 
she's all about the new and the now and the future. She was using jarred horseradish <laughs> for, uh, for one of the meals. That's pretty modern, right? First of all, horseradish is the best. And so you have to respect her abilities as a cook to recognize how delicious horseradish is on sandwiches. Did you hear yes. her say, I'm going to put it on sandwiches? Yes. I mean, it is the it's, best. It was a small detail, and I'm glad you picked up on it, too. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Uh, I did I did like the line that Farmer Drew said, we have been here since before Waterloo. Yeah. I feel like that's a that's just an all-purpose line you can use anywhere. <laughs> you know, if you're standing in line somewhere, my God, we have been here since before Waterloo. <laughs> you try that. I'm gonna you try, try that at Safeway this week. <laughs> I bet many Downton Abbey fans will turn around and know what you're talking about. Okay. And if you wear some large pig boots, uh, I think you, you could really pull it off, Liam. <laughs> All right, I can't even go into the Thomas tries to get a new job because hasn't he been trying to leave Downton Abbey for six seasons? Isn't that yeah, hasn't I mean, he been he's... worried about his job for six years? Isn't at one point didn't he leave? I mean, what is he doing? Just leave already, Thomas. I I mean, I I just when when I was watching this episode, I was like, why oh why are we trying to create any kind of sympathy for Thomas? You yeah. know, I mean, why do we care? where he goes or what he's doing or the fact that everyone's being mean to him now at Downton Abbey because he's been, he's been awful. Yeah. He's been, awful. He's been involved in lying and trickery and he's tried to bribery been, conniving. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's been bad. So, but I, I, I can't understand why we're, um, we're just, we're supposed to develop some sympathy for him, but it is the year of mercy, Liam. I want you to keep your heart open to Thomas. Okay. okay? Thank you, Julie. I mean, he, okay, that's what I think. All right. Uh, and then finally, Bridezilla. So Mrs. Hughes just gets all up in Mr. Carson's grill about Lady Mary and having the wedding at Downton. Uh -huh. And I don't blame her. She said she did not want to be a servant on her wedding day. And at first, it's the very ungracious offer from Lord Grantham. Oh, we'll decorate the servants' hall. The servants' hall. Way to go, LG. Way to go. Yeah. Yeah. Even, yeah, even that's the one time when Mary and Edith actually agreed. Yeah. They both gave, you know, gave their father a look like, are you kidding me? Did you actually just say that? You know, so, uh. And then they manip then Lady Mary decides, no, no, we'll have it here in the Grand Hall and oh, it will be wonderful. And even though Mrs. Hughes clearly doesn't want to do it there, Lady Mary is going to convince her. And Carson is powerless in front of Lady Mary. And Mrs. Hughes is on to that too. So what do you think? Well, who do you think is going to win this battle, Joel? Yeah, I mean, this is really about this. You know, uh, Mrs. Hughes has, has a steely will about her and that she has... I, I just was, I'm just surprised that she has no affection for Downton Abbey, that she doesn't, I understood, I understood the line, like she doesn't want to feel like a servant on her wedding day. Yes. Uh, I, I, I get that. Um, I think she needs a wedding planner is what I think she needs, <laughs> she you know, but I mean the, the one moment when they if only Lady Cora wasn't stoned, maybe she could help her. I know. I, <laughs> I mean, Lady Cora did say, well. She is the bride. It's her and she, choice. And then and, faded, exactly, and then she nodded out again. So, And that's exactly how she said it. But as you recall, the one moment when I think Carson and Mrs. Hughes seemed the happiest is when they were like at the beach. You know, I think they should go for a destination wedding. <laughs> It'd be the first. Uh, I don't know if. 
if they have a sandals equivalent uh, uh, in uh, this period of England at Brighton Beach. But that's when they seemed the happiest, you know, when they had sort of Mr. Carson had rolled up his pants yeah. and they were just sort of wading in the water. Uh, that that would be nice. Uh, so um, I think that's what it's going to take. Because it sounds bad at the schoolhouse. I, I I agree with Mr. Carson. I don't think you want to get married at the schoolhouse. Okay. How about just a lovely tent on the lawn? I mean, they do that well there at Downey. Yes, there's yeah. some parties are really lovely. <laughs> yeah, that could be that could be good, Leon. But think about it. Destination wedding. Julie, I think that's calm. Think that's calm. All right. Uh very briefly, I continue really not to care about the hospital storyline, but it does have a reason to bring, you know, the the older people in the town together with a lot of sharp lines and uh excellent barbed commentary. So what, whatever happens to the hospital, I, I don't really have a side on that. Do you, Julie? Do you no. care? Yeah. It, as you recall, as young girls, as uh, growing up, one of the one of our forbidden pleasures was to watch the soap opera Another World. <laughs> and if you cast your mind back, Leon, you you are the youngest of the five sisters. But uh, the soap opera Another World, there was something called the Pendleton Project that they were working on. The actors, it was it was the device that brought people together to talk about the Pendleton Project, uh, which who knows what it was. But it went on for years and years. And that's the, how I feel about the hospital. It's the hospital project. And, you know, if it makes more people well, then then they're good for it. But I do enjoy I do enjoy the bickering. I like the sharp lines. I do feel, you know, like, um, you know, that maybe the dowager is kind of losing her edge. Like things are slipping away for her that she's, you know, not able to command and control as much as she used to. And I feel a little wistful about that, Leanne. Yeah. Are they, are times changing, Julie? Do you need (laughs) need to take a shot of brandy? I'm taking a shot. Restorative broth. Whoo. Okay. Okay. Uh, Oh, I hope she doesn't die this season. Again, we don't know how old anyone is in the show. So I hope they all survive till the end of this, even with the inferior care at the local hospital. (laughs) Yeah, I would not go to that doctor. What is this, Carlton? Dr. Clarkson. Clarkson, no. (laughs) I don't even know his name. I know. I don't know my own doctor's name, Dr. Clarkson. Yeah, he's, I I don't know. I wouldn't go to him. Okay, so next week, what's happening? I can't even remember what was on the preview. What do we have to look well, forward it was to? A, it's a, this was a sort of a shorter episode. Yeah. I was surprised. It was only like 50 minutes. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm hoping that it means that next week's episode is going to be longer. I anticipate that we're going to hear more about the wedding. That was in the preview. Oh, right, yes, right. Yes, so, uh, so hopefully we'll get some resolution. Because I find it very uncomfortable and unsettling to see Mrs. Hughes uh, you know, uh, like bickering like that. I don't like to see this side of her. Like, cause she seems very cranky, right? <laughs> well, she's Bridezilla and that's what happens. They become yeah. something else. It doesn't, apparently the statement is, it doesn't matter at what stage in your life you are that, yeah. you know, every woman has the opportunity to become Bridezilla. <laughs> <laughs> Except Lady Cora, because she just, she's too weak to stand. So. Right. <laughs> right. 
All right. We are the Satellite Sisters. If you are looking for more Downton Abbey or more TV recaps, we've also done Outlander. We've done Madam Secretary. You can find it at iTunes or at Libsyn or at Stitcher.com uh, where you can find all of our shows, the Stitcher app. Uh, Julie, have a, you're moving this week, so that's a big week for you, right? Yes. Yes, I am, Leanne. Uh, I wish I was moving a closet full of clothing that came from that Downton Abbey. I know. That, that was, was... Those were magnificent. Every dress that uh, that uh, Edith and Mary, even Lady Cora, were, that were wearing, they were extraordinary. Yeah, there were some black onyx drop earrings that Lady Mary was uh, wearing. One scene, I was like, those are amazing. Yeah. So, so keep it, keep it coming. We love the jewelry. We love the dresses. I, it's all good. It's all good. So you're moving. I'm moving my son out. But we will be back next week uh, with more Downton Abbey. And don't forget, call your satellite sister.